Thank you for listening to the Hope City Community Church Podcast. We pray that your life will be forever changed by what you hear today. Our goal is to encourage, inspire, and challenge you to experience the real Jesus. Thanks for listening. Now let's tune in. Well, good morning, church. How was everybody's Thanksgiving? Was it good? Are you still full? Everybody still a little bit hurting and uh, feeling like, I told Wendy, I said, I'm going to start a diet the 2nd of January with everybody else in America. Amen. Uh, Just got too much eating to do until then. Now, I'm excited. Today, I'm starting a new sermon series called Holy Night. If you look up the word holy, uh, it literally means uh, for a special use. It's unique for God's purpose. Uh, And the night that Jesus was born was a very unique night. And there's some characteristics of that night that we're going to discuss uh, over the next four weeks as we lead into uh, the candlelight service. And so uh, today we're going to start by talking about Bethlehem. Bethlehem. Why Bethlehem? The unique characteristics of Bethlehem. Uh, But before I do, I just want to thank everybody. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, because of your benevolence, we were able to pass out over 300 bags of food uh, to this area and the surrounding communities. Thank you. Um, I just want to say thanks for your benevolence because uh, hope is a hard thing to find these days. Uh, and whenever uh, at Hope City, whenever we uh, start doing what God's called us to do, uh, it makes a big impact in our city, you know? And as we've begun over the last year and a half, I don't know of a bigger day than uh, two Saturdays ago. Uh, we just absolutely kicked the devil in the teeth, and I love that. I love that. Uh, hope and joy was spread across our city. Uh, there's, a, there's another reason I want to share this with you, because uh, one of the, the biggest things that God has called us to do is to tear down denominational walls. And just so you know, uh, that's part of the vision of Hope City, is to partner with other churches. And this past outreach was the first time that we locked arms with another church and they joined our outreach. It was Woodlawn Baptist Church. Uh, They filled 40 to 50 of those bags and then they came to help distribute the bags. And can I tell you, it was a beautiful, beautiful thing to see Hope City shirts mixed in with Woodlawn Baptist shirts going all over the city, spreading hope as the church of Crestview, not a logo, not a brand, not a style or flavor of church, but just as the church of Jesus Christ. And that is the vision of this house, is to partner. So we saw a major breakthrough uh, this season that another church said, you know what, enough with the fear, enough with the segregation, enough with the stylization and the compartmentalization. Let's just go together and make a difference in the city. So continue to pray that other churches will get involved uh, and that we find opportunities to get involved to help them. Uh, I believe God is doing something unique in our city, and it's going to take every church doing their part. Amen. And so uh, we have a lot to be thankful for today. Today's sermon series, um, I almost named The Case for Christmas. The Case for Christmas. But instead, I decided on Holy Night, uh, well, the art looked a lot better first, but second of all, 
what made that night that Christ was born unique? What was it that made it unique? And what we found in our studying, and I say we because uh, I have stolen ideas and concepts from about a thousand different writers and teachers over this uh, series, is that that day that Christ was born, that evening, there were more clues in the scripture about that day than any other day in the scripture. And it dawned on me, when I was a little boy, uh, my brother and my uncle, uh, who was just slightly older than my older brother, uh, would take off in the winter, and we would go get all of the leftover lumber and nails and a hammer as much as we could carry, and sometimes we'd take a wheelbarrow, whatever we could do, we would take off into the woods to go build a fort. Did anybody build forts when they were young? Anybody else? Yeah, absolutely. But what was interesting is we had to build them where nobody else could find them. Because if somebody else could find the fort, they would take it down and take our lumber to go build their fort. So if you wanted to find one of our forts, one of us had to give you the clues on how to get there. And it might sound something like this. When you leave grandma's back porch, go all the way to the tree line. When you get to the tree line, follow the tree line to the creek. When you cross over the creek, if you go to the cemetery, you've gone too far. Go right to the power lines. Cross the power lines. Find the trail on the north side of the power lines. Follow that trail about 200 yards. And when you get to the stump, Look to your right and toward the heavens, and there you should see the fort, right? And so there was no way you were just going to stumble onto this fort. The next thing that was important is that we not just told you where, but we told you when we would be there because we knew where the ladder was hidden to get into the fort. So if you even found the fort, but we weren't there to show you how to get into it, it was a lost cause. So if you wanted to go see the fort, it was imperative that you not just know where, that you not just know when, but you know who. And so all of these clues led people to find these great forts we would build. It would take weeks to build some of these things. And as dangerous as they were, they were really fun, right? So when we are going through the scripture for the night that Jesus was born, we have found clues, not just where. Not just when, but who. And it all points to Jesus being the Messiah. And here's the truth. If I had to go somewhere before my family and there were no maps to where I would be, I would leave clues as to where I would be found, when I would be there, and who they would see when they got there. And the scripture does that for the night the Messiah was born. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to take a look at the clues of Christmas. Is that okay with everybody? It's entitled Holy Night, and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did writing it. Um, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to look at Bethlehem. Micah chapter 5, verse 2 uh, is the first time that Bethlehem is spoken about uh, in the terms of the Messiah. Uh, it says, but you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, Though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth are from old, everlasting. Now, 
What does that mean? We can break this down. What's interesting is that the prophet was giving some specificity that if you don't know the scripture, you'll miss. Uh, the first thing he said was, is you Bethlehem Ephrathah. If, if you don't realize, you just think he's just giving like another name. The original name to Bethlehem was Ephra or Ephrathah, depending on uh, when you would get there. Now, another reason that he puts that in there is because Israel at the time was divided into two kingdoms. There's the northern kingdom of Israel, southern kingdom of Judah. In the southern kingdom of Judah, Bethlehem's original location and name were Ephra, right? And so he's telling you, this Bethlehem we're speaking of is not in the northern kingdom, than the southern kingdom. Why is that important? Because if you're trying to find a baby that's born, that's going to be the Messiah, it had to be in the right Bethlehem, right? So he's giving us instruction, but then he says, there's going to be a ruler that's born there. Uh, and if he stopped there, we would really be confused. Here's why. King David was born in Bethlehem. So if he said there's going to be a great ruler born in Bethlehem, Ephrata, then David could have filled the gap. But he says, but this ruler is unlike any other ruler. This ruler has no beginning and has no ending. So he gives specificity and he gets more and more specific until it gets down to where we know this is the Messiah that he's talking about. So now when you read the scripture, you know where, you know what, you know who, right? So what we don't know from Micah chapter 5 verse 2 is when. So we're going to take a look and go through the scripture and we're going to find some clues about the location, when, who, what. Well, we're going to find all these details out. Now watch this. In Genesis chapter 35, we see something really unique take place. We see this eruption of information about Bethlehem in Genesis 35. In Genesis 35, um, we begin to find information about a lady named Rachel. Rachel was the favored wife of Jacob. When Rachel died, they buried her in Ephrath with Ephrathah, right? So they buried her in that city. So she's buried there. But then we hear the story about Naomi and Ruth. They were from Bethlehem. And they returned to Bethlehem after Naomi's husband died. Now, why is that significant? Watch this. Ruth met a man named Boaz, right? They had a son named Obed, O-B-E-D, Obed. How many of those when you have kids? Oh, bed. I need a nap, right? Uh, sorry, bad dad joke. Here we go. Keep going. Uh, Obed. Obed got married, and he had a son named Jesse. Jesse got married and had a son named David. David is the greatest king in the history of Israel. So Bethlehem is the launch point of David. And here's what's most interesting. Is Christ came from the lineage of King David. So the fact that not just one great king, but the greatest king, the king of kings and the Lord of lords, his lineage is from Bethlehem. So it's not just some random thing that Jesus was born there. Remember, uh, Joseph and Mary are not from Bethlehem, right? They traveled for the census. 
So God has a plan. Let me just, let me jump off this. Let me just show you something real quick. Sometimes it feels like you might not be where you feel like you should be. God can still bless you. Sometimes it might feel like you're at the wrong place and it doesn't, just doesn't feel like what you're used to. Can I tell you, you're perfectly positioned for God to bless you because sometimes he calls us out of comfort for his kingdom's purpose. Amen. That's second service. First service didn't get that. But, uh, you know, the Lord, the Lord shares things as he sees fit. Uh, I've got a couple of clues for you today about Bethlehem. Point number one, clue number one, whatever you want to call it. Bethlehem was called the house of bread. The house of bread. That's literally what it means in the Hebrew. Beth means house. Lahem is bread. Okay? The reason why we know Lahem is bread is because that's where the word Lahem or leaven, leaven, bread, right? Yeast. So literally, when you break down the word, it's the house of bread. Why is that significant to the life of Jesus? Well, I don't know. Let's check John chapter 6, verse 35. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Now, let me see what, this is what's interesting, is we read that verse because we have all this knowledge, we don't think anything about it. But that would be the equivalent of somebody standing up on national television and saying, I am the hot dog. You'd be like, what? The hot dog? You'd be like, hot dog? Where are the hot dogs from? Chicago? Chicago? You must be from Chicago. What's it? You start piecing it together. You and I, now that we know the scripture, when he said, I'm the bread of life, we know now that he was sending a signal, a shot over the bow to the Jews, saying that I am the one who was born from the house of David in the city of David, the house of bread. And then he goes even further at the Last Supper. And he takes bread. And what does he say? This is my body. It's another picture that I'm the one who was prophesied about in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. And this body that was born in the house of bread is going to be broken. Watch this. gets even cooler than that. He says that I'm the bread. What's really cool about this is that the bread of the time was a major staple of their diet, but it had a second purpose. It was used for sacrament. So when Jesus said, I'm the bread of life, he says, it's my desire not just to meet your physical needs, but to meet your spiritual needs as well. Isn't that a beautiful picture? And so Jesus is born in a city that's called the house of bread. And he's saying that it's not just for the physical needs. I'm going to be used in a way that's going to nourish you spiritually. And I love that he says, when you partake of me, you will never hunger again. He wasn't talking about physically, baby. I had bread last Thursday. I'm hungry right now. He was saying that there is a piece of me that if you partake of it, you will never need another thing. Amen. How many of you are grateful for the bread of life today? Praise God. Praise God. Clue number two. Let's keep going. Clue number two. Point number two. Bethlehem um, had long lost its, 
popularity. Uh, by the time Christ was born, King David's reign had all but been forgotten. There were still some rules and some regulations in place, but he was not part of the day-to-day conversation uh, in the ways that a lot of our old presidents aren't talked about, right? Uh, it's very rare in a conversation for somebody to go, thank God for President Taft. Why? Because his ruling was long before you and I. In the same way, they didn't talk a lot about David in this time. So the fact that David had made Bethlehem significant had long passed. And so the time that Jesus was born, Bethlehem was outdated. It was run down, and it was a very insignificant place. And it was only really made significant by the agriculture that was there. The agriculture was very unique in the fact that it was about six miles south of Jerusalem. And a lot of the water would run from Jerusalem down south, and it would create a very lush valley. We'll talk about that in just a minute. So it was really an insignificant place. See, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27 through 29 speaks to this. It says, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world, put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not bring to nothing things that are. Why? So that no flesh would glory in his presence. You see, God brought the greatest king out of the weakest city. Now, that may not mean a lot to you. Back then, that was a big deal. Because your lineage, your name, what you had, where you came from, said everything. The fact that Jesus was born in Bethlehem was a very unique and seemed relatively insignificant, but it turned out to be very, very powerful. Well, one of those reasons is because Bethlehem at the time was ruled uh, by Herod I. Herod I was a uh, maniacal leader. He was a uh, power-driven, bloodthirsty leader. Uh, And He uh, was all about keeping control, maintaining control. As a matter of fact, if you'll study, there were multiple Herods. They were great at maintaining power. Well, Herod heard that there was a king born. And there were people starting to say the king of the Jews was born. So Herod searched for where this king was born. And it wasn't until he went back to the wise men that he found out where Jesus was actually born. By then, it was too late. You see, had Jesus been born in Jerusalem, there would have been enough guards there. They would have found Jesus. Had Jesus been born in a major hotel, an inn, or a hospital, oh, they'd have found him. Simple. Because Herod said, go find every little boy two years old and younger and kill them. They would have found him. They would have searched in those major places. Why? Because somebody said a king was born. A king would never come out of Bethlehem. So why even look there? So God literally took the weak 
things of the world to confound the wisdom of the wise, he hid Jesus in a very small town. And it wasn't until Herod went back to the prophecies that he located Bethlehem. But by then, the wise men had already delivered the getaway money, and it was too late. Aren't you excited about that? Let me just, I don't need to dig into that for me. That's a cool story. So we always hear the story this time of year that the wise men came, and we show these pictures at a nativity that wise men are kneeling next to a manger, and there's an infant there. Just not correct. Just wrong. Here's why. The timing of the wise man, wise men was connected to the star. Well, they didn't leave the east until they saw the star. Well, if you would measure where they came from, it took months to get just to Israel, just to Judah. And even then, they had to have conversations and go and find this Bethlehem, right? And so now you're looking at possibly as much as two years. Now they got toddler Jesus, right? Running around, and they come to him. And this is another reason for the significance of the gifts. What were the three gifts? Let's check our, 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 our felt board wisdom. You ready? Gold and, man, stick around a few weeks. I'm going to break those down for you. But for the sake of the conversation today, we're going to look at the gold. Anybody want some gold for Christmas? I'll take a little, you know, especially at the rate it's going right now. It's pretty valuable. Uh, but they brought Jesus gold, and here's why. God knew that Herod was going to try to destroy his son. And so he allowed him to be born in a very insignificant place, buying time. So by the time Herod figured it out and shot called that every two-year-old would be killed, two years old and younger, the wise men had delivered the money, the gold, and the angel of God told Joseph, Take my boy, go to Egypt. You've got to get out away from the reach of Herod and stay there until I tell you. So literally, God was moving in a way to preserve his plan. Now, I don't know about you, but if you have a calling on your life, don't ever be shocked at the length and the size of a blessing God won't go to to get you where you're supposed to go. Don't be shocked that you found yourself right here at Hope City this morning, hearing a story about God's provision. Because when I tell you, I have never seen God order something he didn't pay for. It's true. All the way back to his son. He told Joseph, go to Egypt. Joseph didn't even have to count the money. He, I got a bag of gold. Let's go. Let's go. Mary, get the boy. We're gone. And they were able to flee. Now, here's the greatest thing about all this. Had Jesus been born in that major city, two years would not have been enough time. The insignificance and the, the depravity and the breakdown and the devaluation of Bethlehem provided the perfect landing place for the Messiah. Bethlehem was chosen not for its strength, 
but for its weakness. You see where I'm going, don't you? You see, some of y'all in here think you're not qualified. Some of y'all in here think that God can't use you. Can I tell you, if he will lay his son in a manger in Bethlehem, what will he not? This is why Paul said, I boast all the more in my weakness because his strength is made perfect in my weakness. You see, the devil always overplays his hand. You see, the devil will come and remind you about your weakness and what he doesn't realize is that he's reminding you of the perfect landing space for the glory of God. I'm glad somebody got that. Praise God. Praise God. That he confounds the wisdom of the wise. I'm so grateful for a God that can use my weakness. Amen. You can take my testimony and do something with it. You can take my worst days and bless somebody with it. You can take my lack and bring increase with it. Who is this God that can take my life, put me in a pulpit? Bethlehem was nothing. It was a launching place. The greatest miracle the world has ever seen. How dare you question God's use of your life? Glory is right. Glory to his name. So they flee to Egypt. I got to keep going. They flee to Egypt. This is where that was prophesied as well in Hosea chapter 11, verse 1. It says, when Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. Some of these prophecies about Christ were 1,100 years before his arrival. 1,100. You realize America ain't but 250. I'm talking about more than four times the age of our country. And these writings are proven. Time The birth of Christ. Confirmed over 300 unique, absolutely unarguable prophecies. People have the nerve to say, but do you have the right one? Are you serious to me say, how do you know Jesus is unique from Buddha? Go show me one prophecy that proved true about Buddha. Man, get in the word, folks. It in the word. Clue number three. Point number three. Bethlehem's purpose. Bethlehem had been all but reduced to an area. It's kind of a wide open space. It was a few buildings. It was mostly agriculture because it was a place that was very fertile. Not just any livestock could roam. A lot of Bethlehem had been annexed by the temple. And the reason why there is because they grew uh, sheep, lambs, there on this property. But they didn't just grow any lamb. They grew temple sacrifice lambs. Every once in a while, uh, 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 a sheep would go into labor 
And the, the, the wise men, uh, not the wise men, the shepherds, would gather around. And they would watch. Because occasionally, just occasionally, a sheep, a lamb would be born spotless. Not a single flaw. When those lambs were born, they would run, they would grab a special cloth, and they would wrap that lamb up. They would take it to this building. They would protect that lamb because if that lamb even barely nicked its foot, I mean, one tiny mistake, that lamb no longer valuable. So they would get these lambs and they would wrap them up. And, 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 and there's so much misinformation. And when you really start studying it, your mind just explodes. These were not normal shepherds. These were called rabbinical or Levitical shepherds. They were hired by the temple, the Levites. To grow perfect sacrifices that can only be used on Passover. So when these little lambs were born, inspect them top to bottom, back to front. And so I think we have a candidate for Passover. And they would send this lamb for inspection. They would look top to back, front to bottom. Say, got one. They would wrap it. Stuff called swaddling clothes. They would protect that lamb until Passover. And the day of Passover, that lamb would be taken to the altar. It's perfection. A year or less old slaughtered. The atonement, the mistakes of other people. For God to be a man and a God of his word, Jesus had to be born. You remember, right before Jesus was baptized, John chapter 6, I think I've got the verse. Says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So here's what's wild Jesus was born, and the angels revealed themselves to the Levitical shepherds. They say, There's been a spotless lamb born in Bethlehem tonight. There were no lambs born. So listen to this. They said, go check the manger where you get perfect lambs. I'm going to teach you all about the manger next week. Don't miss it. So, medical shepherds run. They don't walk, they run because of the urgency and the value of one of these spotless lambs. And they blow through the doors of the manger. 
And there, in swaddling clothes, was a baby boy named Jesus. And their minds are just completely confounded. Wait. Wait. Is, could this be? See, it had been prophesied that there was a coming Messiah who would give his life and his life would be so valuable and so pure and so innocent that when he would be sacrificed on Passover, that the prophet said there's no longer the need for bulls and sheep because the perfect sacrifice had been given. And so these Levitical shepherds drop to their knees and worship. This is what we've been looking for. This is what we've been searching for. Our great, 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 great grandfathers told us. They wrote down. They prophesied. They warned us. They told us it would be Bethlehem. They told us that he would be sought by the kings of the world. They told us you've got a trip coming to Egypt. How long are you here? Can we stay in worship? Frank, can I tell you? He is the Lamb of God. And because He is the Lamb of God, you and I we believe in him and we confess with our mouth our sin is washed away. It all started this little town called Bethlehem. Tiny little insignificant Bethlehem. The holy night. A unique night. It was a night unlike any other. In a place unlike any. So now we know the where. We start unwrapping the why. The clues of the Bible point to the Messiah. Clues tell us Bethlehem. Clues tell us about a lamb. They tell us about a Passover. That when Moses was leading the children of Israel to their freedom, that a lamb had to give its life. So when Jesus was born, he would mirror the image of the first Passover. Except now the blood of lambs is no longer applied to our doorposts, applied to our hearts. Are you grateful today? Stand on your feet. Let me pray for you. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God. 
Bethlehem's a pretty cool place. Bethlehem is the beginning of our hope. It's where hope sprung forth for all of us. So this series is about finding the clues in the scripture. Yes, to lead us. But for those of us who already found the Messiah, that we can take these clues and go lead people who don't believe. To show them that what we believe is not a blind faith. Not just some story somebody made up. Do you realize what it would take to find a story that generation after generation after generation after generation doesn't change? Bobby, if you whisper to my ear right now, and then I whisper to Pat, and Pat whispered to Max, and Max whispered to Yana, by the time it got to this side of the room, it'd be a different story. But you're talking 4,000 years. There's no way it's not true. The odds and the evidence, it's an impossibility. Jesus is the Messiah. You and I have found that truth. Live for it. But there are those who don't understand. So, no pun intended, God left a bread trail for them to find the Messiah. A trail of clues throughout time. Any prophecy you read in the Old Testament begins to narrow down. And by the time of the holy night, they all 300 point to Jesus. Isn't that cool? Father, we love you. Thank you that when we were blind, you made a way, you made a path, you left clues that we can see. That when we could not find you, You had already known and throughout time left a trail. In the same way, when I was a little boy, things that we would create sometimes weren't the easiest to find. In the busyness of this world, I admit the Messiah can sometimes be hard to find in the noise. There's evidence, there's clues, and there's paths that you've left throughout time. Today, through your word, we have found where. And I thank you for that. Thank you, Lord, that as this series continues, we're going to have layer upon layer upon layer of evidence that that holy night was unlike any other. It was the night our salvation came forth. And I just want to thank you. Father, thanks for everyone that's here. Just give them wisdom on how to share this information. Give them opportunities to share it with a friend. And Lord, if there's someone here who doesn't know you, I pray that this understanding would, would sink deep into their heart and that they have been faced with facts that they will have to disprove now. 
burden of evidence and the burden of proof is now on the unbeliever. Thank you. Thank you that we don't have a blind faith. We have a faith that is eyes wide open and we still believe. We see it all. We see the paths. We see the prophecies. It all points to Jesus. Thank you. Father, if there's anyone here, I pray they find you. I pray they would follow the clues. Follow the evidence. And may they go on the beautiful journey that the rest of us have walked. That leads us to the cross of Calvary. Thank you. Bless us and keep us. Be gracious to us and show us your favor. Make your face shine upon us and give us peace both now and forevermore. Cover us with the blood of Jesus from the top of our head to the soles of our feet. Thank you that no weapon formed against us will prosper. Father, you're going to continue to bless. You're going to continue to increase. You're going to continue just to keep your uh, watchful eyes upon us. And I thank you, Lord, that the finishing of this year will be the greatest we've ever had. Just enrich our marriages, enrich our families. And Lord, not let it not be the things, let it be the time we have together that truly makes this year rich. I thank you. You're a good father. We worship you and you alone. Thank you for that holy night. Bring us back next week with more wisdom and more of your word. We'll give you the praise for it. In Jesus' name and everybody said, amen. God bless you. We love you. And we'll see you next week. Thanks again for joining us today for the Hope City Community Church Podcast. We pray that what you've heard today will bless you until the next time we meet again. We hope you'll join us again soon to be encouraged, inspired, and challenged to experience the real Jesus. Take good care and God bless.